Hey, grab your paper and pen. It is March 1st, 2023. It is time for the run sheet. I am at Joel Pearl. And oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So much to talk about. So much to do. How about we get down to it? Ella J is here as always. How are you doing, Ella? I'm doing great. It's nice to talk with you, Joe Gacy. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. For like two seconds, your audio completely dropped and I was like, oh no, I lost it. <laughs> But I see it on the audio waveform, so it's all good. It must, everything must be good. This is the type of day we have. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about the shows. I think, Ella, you and I had a, uh, we had a come to Jesus moment, as they say in the business. And we yes, realized we <laughs> maybe, maybe we bit off a little more than we could chew. I mean, when Impact wants to run like pay-per-views like every so Friday or you're like traveling, yeah, you know, it kind of impacts things, pun intended. (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah, so you know what? How about from now on, on Wednesdays, we'll do the run sheet and we'll talk a little TV and we'll talk a little news. How's that, folks? You want to do that? Ella, I think you're okay with that, right? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm going to speak for the audience. They agree with it, too. (laughs) Wonderful. Hey, while we're here, uh, hot food take for the audience because... Oh, Miss Miss mm. Kate Fabe over at Fightful was uh, calling you out the other day for your food takes. Which one? <laughs> Both the ones that you've shared so far: the mint chocolate chip and the uh, mac and cheese. Uh, which one haven't I shared? You know, well, I'm like I'm like a pretty plain person. Like people are gonna think I'm crazy for this. Um, like I like I said, I'm a very plain person when it comes to my pizza, when it comes to like condiments and like hot dogs and like sandwiches and stuff. I'm very plain. Like honestly, I don't really do condiments. I do like mayonnaise. I will get that sometimes on my sandwich. Um, but that's honestly about it. Mustard is the worst. Oh my god, I accidentally had a taste of mustard the other day because I forgot to get um, my sandwich without it, and I was horrified. And then I accidentally bit into it, and there was mustard on it. Um, That's the absolute worst. Um, I get my hot dogs plain. I know it's really boring, but I just don't really do condiments, Joel, to be honest with you. Like, beyond mayonnaise, I really don't do anything. So, like, my pizza is plain to, like, double cheese. I'll just get a double cheese, or I'll have sausage. I'm such a plain person when it comes to like burgers, pizza, like hot dogs, like stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty sad, but I'm a, I'm such a picky eater. (laughs) Do you have any interest in being a more adventurous eater at least? Um, not really, to be honest. I think I'm just settled in my ways, to be honest. I mean, I've tried stuff in the past and I just can't like, I will not do relish ketchup. I can tolerate. It's not the worst thing in the world, but I will not go out of my way to eat it. Mustard on the other hand, though, I will never eat that shit's horrible. So what's the deal with mustard? Is it just, is it too spicy? Is it texture? Like what? I'm really confused. Okay. I I will put, I will put. It's like bitter. It's honestly bitter. I, when I had a taste of mustard the other day, it was, but again, it was by accident. It was just bitter. I also don't do spicy or hot things. So that might be part of it. But yeah, I don't do spicy or hot, but mustard is just bitter. Like it just, it, it's it like makes me gag. It's just terrible. So I'm not the biggest mustard fan either, but I also don't go as far as you just did when it comes to <laughs> eating mustard. Like it's fine if it, if it appears on my, on my burger. See, that's, that's how I feel about ketchup. It's not like the worst thing in the world, but like I won't. I, I don't reach for it. for it. Yeah. Wow. What about, you've never tried like honey mustard? Oh, absolutely not. I have, no, no, never again. 
No, no sriracha. Like, what about spicy I, stuff? Do I just you... said I do not do spicy or hot. I have a low tolerance for that. I literally can't. Like, my I have friends who have such a high tolerance, and it's like the they'll say, "Oh, it's not even that spicy." No, well, I'm literally like dying there, trying to get like water or milk on my tongue, trying to get this off of my out of my mouth. I don't do hot or spicy. I can't. I love sour things, but I don't do hot or spicy. No pepper. No, absolutely not. No. Wow, I'm learning. I will. So that is the worst thing. Ugh. Oh my god. <laughs> a lot of people don't like hot or spicy, though. I can't do it. I have a low tolerance. I have friends who can. Like I said, I can do sour stuff. I love like sour candies and stuff. I can't do hot or spicy though. Do you think they do hot or spicy in Saudi Arabia? <sighs> yeah, I guess. Well, there's a report out there that uh, King and Queen <laughs> of the Ring are coming back going to be a ple and they're talking about doing it in the kingdom of saudi arabia this is according to mike johnson at pw insider uh we got the article through fightful but uh they're talking about doing the show may 27th that was reported by brandon thurston of wrestlenomics first uh what do you think i mean there's some good and some bad here we're gonna we're gonna bring back the king and queen of the ring that's pretty neat uh but it comes with two caveats one it's gonna be in saudi arabia which of course uh has a lot of weight behind using that place and number two it is the same weekend tentatively as aw's double or nothing pay-per-view are you just finding this out on the air i realized that it was no because i'm the one who put this article in there but i realized yeah because double or nothing's probably going to be that sunday you know um i would yeah. think the 28th right it might, could be that saturday we don't know yet um could be the same day but i'm I'm kind of surprised that it, I mean, they've done, they've done what they've done a couple Saudi shows in like late May, early June before I remember that. Um, I was, you know, I was looking forward to this. Like I wanted when I saw that there was a queen of the ring and king of the ring, I was like, Oh, like I might, I actually would like be interested in going to that. Obviously that can't happen now. Um, but well, like you, you just have to, you know, yeah, no, it's passport no. situation. <laughs> yeah. Going to have to expedite expedite that but honestly again if they're doing it all in one night that's gonna put a lot of uh resiliency to the test of the superstars who maybe haven't wrestled probably what three met you assume there's probably eight people in each tournament somebody's gonna a couple people are gonna have to wrestle three times in one night so that itself is gonna be again i would think that it would be in one night right because they're having a whole pay-per-view named after it seems to be the way that they're going and what's even more uh interesting about this whole thing is the idea that saudi arabia at the end of may it's yeah. pretty hot and usually they're performing in open air stadiums yeah and like the only air conditioning that you have oh, is God. in the back yeah. in your little trailer like there has been there have been some incidents because of this so i'm interested to see where the event takes place specifically in in saudi arabia but also uh how they put it together knowing that the weather and the heat might be difficult for someone who has to perform upwards of three times in one night they're gonna have to have coolers and buckets of ice on standby and water at ringside for sure yeah that's wild i mean yeah, uh, moving beyond just the location, do you have an early pick for 
king and queen of the ring that you'd like to see? Yeah, so I've seen a lot of tweets going around um, today. People are like, who do you think should win? And I feel like there's been a consensus among like three people for really each of them. For men, I've seen a lot of Chad Gable, Gunther, and Montez Ford, which I think are three solid choices. Um, I would love to see Montez. You know, we saw a little glimmer of Montez as a single star. And I mean, Xavier Woods, I mean, won the most recent king of the ring. He, again, was a part of a faction, but he still won it wanted as a singles as a singles competitor so i would like to see more of montez ford in a singles capacity he he had a pretty good performance in elimination chamber i think this would be the place to pull the trigger on a little bit of a, a montez singles push i think that would be a good run for him and who was your <sighs> female who was your woman i so it seems though that they're moving like towards maybe a team capacity, but if we're talking like a queen, I honestly think Carmella or Chelsea Green could pull it off really well. However, we kind of already saw like the last uh, queen's crown winner was Zelina Vega. She was a heel. I feel like they could do that kind of same thing. However, I could see them wanting to go the opposite route and have like a face win it. Um, I mean, Liv Morgan would be a solid choice to give her something to do, but I just can't like imagine living like the queen realm if that makes sense i don't know i don't think she necessarily needs it but i think carmella or chelsea green could pull it off really well queen green would be a really yeah. good oh i didn't even think of that yeah that see i feel like that is just like perfect for either one of them but it seems like they might be teaming up soon so i don't know yeah there's there's room for it but i mean maybe zelina vega could uh repeat somehow possibly that wouldn't be too bad uh for me this is Listen, people are not going to like this. Queen Lacey Evans. Oh, God. You got to rebrand her one last you, time. You're yes. going to get booed off of the show, Joel. <laughs> oh, that would be God. the first time. Uh, the other one, Queen Raquel. That's uh, that's. Oh, yeah, I can see them wanting back. to push her. It's just, for me, it like... I don't know. Like Raquel just doesn't seem to fit the like queen mold to me. I don't know how to explain it. I don't feel like... I mean, I feel like they might because they've been pushing Raquel and pushing like a Liv Morgan. But for some reason, like those two just for me, like, I don't know, just I don't see them acting as like a queen. You know, I feel like for me, I imagine more of a heel. I don't yeah. know why. No, mm-hmm. I fully I fully get it. There is a certain aesthetic that comes yeah. with whoever wins the king or queen of the ring. You don't you don't expect like Queen Bianca as a character doesn't necessarily work unless she turns heel and becomes, yeah. you know, this obnoxious beyond over the top human being who has a crown and cape and you know tells people to shut up um because king booker the character kind of set this the stage for yeah. what the character of king of the ring is you know what i mean yeah you like kind of imagine a heel right off of the bat i mean unless like they go that route. I'm saying Montez. People have suggested Queen Bianca. I mean, that could work as a couple, kind of like how we had the Owen Hart Classic last year um, with uh, Britt Baker and Adam Cole. Like something like that would make a little bit more sense. But it's just the the mold of the Queen. We've only seen Zelina Vega in that capacity for the Queen. So like, it just I don't know. Like Liv Morgan from and Raquel just don't fit the aesthetic right now for me. Like how I'm envisioning it. Not to say that they couldn't handle it, but I don't know. <laughs> My uh, my king, by the way, is King Madcap Moss, and he ditches Madcap. This is it. This is how we get it off of him. He becomes King Moss, and that's it. And it works. He's had some good matches. You can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. But either way, the uh, the King of the Ring coming back, that's good news. As its own standalone event, that's even better news. 
where it's taking place. Yeah, that's not so much fun. So <laughs> no. it is what it is. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? You uh, We'll keep it in WWE world. Bailey was on with Ariel Helwani and uh, had plenty to say about her uh, her time with damage control and what she uh, what she brings to the table with them and other members that could have joined in. Tell me about this. Yeah, so she sa- she was saying that she wanted this to be more than a trios because you know we've seen a lot of like trios or duos within the women's realm of factions. She wanted this to be like a whole have five or six other members besides herself. And obviously, she said this was pitched to Triple H a couple of WrestleManias ago, and she originally wanted people like Peyton Royce and Tegan Knox in the mix. Obviously, you know, they got let go. You know, Peyton is now a a mother. You know, Tegan got released. She just came back. So but she did say that Dakota Kai was always amongst that list as well. And, you know, things have changed. She went to Triple H. He gave her some feedback, like basically like you need more you need more substance to this group. So obviously the concept and like name has evolved. Um, but obviously they have since landed on damage control. She originally wanted to be called the now, which is kind of, you know, Austin theories thing now. Um, but for legal reasons, they couldn't name it that. So they settled on damage control. Um, but she said, basically though, the concept kind of stayed within that same realm. And she said to me, damage control is just kind of showing the world how much more there is to offer than what you see on TV every week. So Obviously, she brought in two people that, you know, were gone from TV for a while. Dakota Kai was released for several months. Io Io Shirai, Io Sky was dealing with injury. And now they came to the main roster. Now they are in damage control. Who would you have added to damage control? Maybe to make it a fourth. Is there anyone in mind? Oh, hmm. Okay. Hmm. I know it's a bit of a loaded question. It could be someone maybe who's toiling down in NXT, maybe someone who had been recently released. There are a lot of names. I mean, people, the obvious answer, it would be Indy Hartwell because a lot of people were saying that, you know, Indy, you know, she's been kind of teetering between face and and heel a little bit the last few months. And obviously she's close with Bailey in real life. So I, I think Indy is one of the, the few NXT women who's been ready for a call up. People are keep saying that, you know, Indy keeps getting fed, uh, the, what the newer stars are the people who are just turning heel to put them over, which I can get. So Indy's been kind of a bridge for these characters who are having significant arcs in their storyline and persona. So I think Indy Hartwell would be an interesting one or Zoe Stark too, as well. She kind of has that same mentality since she turned heel. Um, but I think the obvious one would be Indy Hartwell right now. Yeah, and Indy Indy would be the one that I would probably pick as well. Zoe Stark would stand out kind of like a sore thumb, in my opinion. It would be, it, it just wouldn't fit as well. But maybe Indy also would stick out because she's much taller than everyone else in the group. Mm-hmm. Bailey as the leader, she is she's the taller of the three. But also, and you kind of maybe you out. want that enforcer role in that though, like how Rhea Ripley is for the Judgment Day how China was for um, DX, you know, accepted being all female. She could be kind of that enforcer role in D Hartwell. I would even say Zoe Stark would be a better enforcer because she's mm. much more built. True. That's who I would pick mm. between the two. Andy Hartwell, while she is taller than them, she's not as physically imposing yeah. as Zoe Stark might be. I don't know. Maybe someone, uh, maybe someone online over following us at the run sheet pod on Twitter or Instagram. They, they I mean, if they turned her heel, Raquel 
Raquel was that heel enforcer for Dakota Kai in the past, you know, yeah. that would that would work for them. But obviously, you know, she's babyface right now. If they turned Raquel heel again, oh, she could absolutely fit in with them. Yeah, that would work for me. But uh, this was a good interview. I really enjoyed Bailey with uh, with Helwani. I think there's uh, there was good chemistry there and, and and a lot of a lot of good banter. I don't know about. I'm glad they didn't name the group the Now. That's that's my real takeaway yeah. from all of that because the Now is a little bit. It's not provocative enough. More generic. Oh, yeah, it's very generic. It's very stock. Whereas like Damage Control, yeah, it's a little cheesy at times, but uh, it's better than the Now. You know, if I had to pick yeah. one of the two. So that's just kind of my feeling. Anyway, let's move away from WWE, but not too far away because uh, Zack Ryder is still under the WWE trademark umbrella, along with a few others. PW Insider had added that uh, Ezekiel Jackson, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre were all reserved for entertainment purposes. So uh, I guess Matt Cardona won't be soon uh, reprising Zack Ryder anytime soon, unless you have more to say about this article. Um, unless he returns to WWE, he's been teasing it for the last few months. We thought for the longest time, we knew, we, you know, we knew Chelsea was coming back. We thought that Cardona would come back with him. And I believe he recently said something along the lines of, you know, they have the, they have my number. It's kind of just up to them. You know, he's kind of, uh, seems satisfied out there doing his thing as he has on the Indies and building his own name and brand as Matt Cardona. So, I mean, he seems satisfied with where he is right now, but he also seems open to a WWE return, you know, should they be open to it as well. But yeah, like you said, he tried to apply for it, but unfortunately he was denied the the trademark on his former WWE name. But I think, I think that that's interesting. Like what the, the, the Ezekiel Jackson one though is throwing me off. We have not seen Ezekiel Jackson in over a decade in WWE. So that one kind of seems like out of nowhere to me though. They could be using it just for like a video game DLC thing. But the thing is, you know, he, I mean, he had the ECW stints, then he was in the core, but it wasn't really a significant player though. So I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like he would be one of those characters that would return for like a video game. I don't know. DLC. That's the one he's going to be on the cover of uh 2k 24. <laughs> Maybe knowing him or, or WWE is about to buy the Lucha underground uh, tape library and they're going to get the big Rick Ezekiel Jackson crossover that they always wanted uh, for Matt Cardona. You know what? Going back to what we talked about with the, uh, the King of the ring. What if oh. you bring back oh. Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder, and you have queen green and King Zack, you know, I'm very much for that idea. That would that would be those two would those two would be so obnoxious with it, but it would work. You know, it would work for them. It would be so much fun, <laughs> and people would hate it in the best way possible. I think a lot of people would love to hate it, though. Too like I think people are really you know we get that it's a a gimmick for Chelsea right now, but a lot of people are genuinely enjoying it and think that she fills it really well. And obviously Cardona and Chelsea together, we've seen it in like GCW and places like that. So I think they've kind of built a respect up with the audience. Of course, there'll be people that genuinely you know hate it, but I think also some people have like deep down respect. Oh, they're doing their thing; they can do it. Chelsea Green, you have two months to get your green card situation figured out. No longer <laughs> be landlocked, point. just so that we could have this fantasy book of our own. That's all I want. Mm. 
Anyway. I like that idea, Joel. Let's do it. Let's let's talk to uh, Matt Cardona. Let's talk to Chelsea Green. We'll talk to the U.S. government. We'll be like, hey, we really <laughs> need this one thing to come to fruition. Right. So if you could just bypass all the law, just get that green card going. Come on, they're married now. That's it's it's they are. official. Let it slide. Let it go. Let's go. Dax Harwood, by the way, let's talk about him. He doesn't want to let things go. He wants to talk about how he wants his podcast to redefine how people view pro wrestlers. So I haven't listened to a lot of FDR with Dax. I've read a lot of articles coming out of it, which is usually the sign of a very successful podcast. Talk to me about this article. And also, have you been listening to FDR with Dax? I well, I, I I write some of those articles on it, and I know I believe he shared a, a video today or yesterday about how you know some people have been having problems with some of the things he says because he's a current talent right now. Um, whereas a lot of the people you know on ad free shows, excluding like I mean to be fair, Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett are also still wrestling right now. Um, so there is some current talent on there, but a lot of people, you know, obviously with some of the stuff coming out of it, they're like, what is he doing? You know? Um, but I think he makes a good case, but you know, because I mean, not again, I was very young, but say like 20 years ago, like podcasts, whenever you, you wouldn't seem similar with social media, it gives you like a peek behind the current. I feel like it gives a better look into people's real life stories and you can relate to them beyond wrestling. And, you know, he was talking about, he's been asked to do a podcast before whether it was about tag team or wrestling psychology, but he never wanted to do one because it was, you know, it was so flooded. And I agree with that, especially in 2020, there was so many podcasts just coming out and it became oversaturated. But um, he said he agreed to do it on one condition. He wanted it to do it his way. You know, he said he acknowledged that it might ruffle some feathers, but he says he's not purposely trying to hurt anyone's feelings. He says, I'm going to keep it real. I can't be fake. I need to tell the truth. And so basically his whole goal is to open up the whole world to show who wrestlers really are that like I alluded to, they're more than tough guys wrestling in our underwear. He said, he says he wants to break that exterior. The struggle is physical, but it's also mental. Um, and obviously, like you said, he's grateful that people want to hear what he has to say. And yeah, he's been surely making a lot of headlines since the launch of his podcast a few months ago. And on top of that, I, I've got to put him over because I, I have started asking wrestlers in interviews more about their mental health balance. Mm -hmm. And while a lot of them will talk about, you know, clearing their mind by going to the gym, some yeah. will have an honest, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that those who find their balance by going to the gym, I'm not saying that they're not being honest. Mm -hmm. Some will have further conversations about, you know, maybe going through therapy or maybe having some outlets to reach out to in times of need. Uh, so there's there's an, um, an opening that's being created by conversations that people like Dax Harwood are having. And I love that because pro wrestling for so long, like he says, it's a lot more than tough guys wrestling in our underwear. Yeah. And so for the opportunity for more wrestlers to talk about mental health and to talk about what grounds them and what keeps them balanced on the road, that's an important conversation. And the idea that like, yeah, listen, kayfabe, it's kayfabe 3.0, right? We're not, we, we've pulled back the curtain, but we don't have to pull it all the way back. So yeah. we find ways to tell stories without giving away every little bit. And I think Dax is doing a really good job of ruffling feathers, but still being as truthful as he needs to be to keep kayfabe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I really, 
really appreciate what he's been doing with this podcast. I think that there's a lot of honesty here, but at the same time, you know, they're doing a good job of making you want to listen because he says he says some shit and it's good. (laughs) I enjoy it. Uh, I also enjoy Billy Starks and Billy Starks is everywhere these days, including the first set of ROH tapings in Orlando. So she appeared on Denise Salcedo's YouTube channel for an interview. Uh, Billy has Billy normally doesn't do a lot of interviews, but she's been getting more and more out there, which I appreciate. So talk to me about Billy Starks talking to Denise Salcedo, one of our favorite people. Yeah, I mean, Billy Starks has been literally everywhere since turning 18 in December. She had her AEW Dark debut in December. She's obviously been a part of MLW, and uh, I guess, spoiler alert, she was a part of the recent Ring of Honor television tapings. So she was kind of talking about, you know, making that Ring of Honor debut that's set to debut very soon. So she was telling Denise, I had so much fun while I was down there. I got to hang out with a bunch of phenomenal wrestlers. And she said it was funny because when she was younger, she would go to shows and joke oh if I wanted to choose like anywhere I would want to be here talking about Ring of Honor and she said it was crazy to think that there was such a vibe in Ring of Honor and it I feel like it has that vibe again of how it used to be and so she said it's even bigger than it was before and she was really grateful to be a part of it um I won't spoil anything about who she faced or anything um but she was a part of the Ring of Honor tapings and you know she's been very grateful for all the opportunities she's had she said um so it's been a really cool experience and I'm excited for her I think it's really cool that she got to share a few moments with uh, Maria Canellis Right. And with the kingdom, because he says here, you know, she had a a photo of her with the baby, you know, or like not her as a baby. Like she's like, I used to watch you guys. Now you get to work with each other. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. She's talking about herself basically being a baby compared to these these people who have been in the business much, much longer than she has. Uh, If anyone's going to uh, not only bring a, a big opportunity to young wrestlers, it's Billy Starks. But she has a lot on her shoulders. I think uh, she she has a long road ahead of her, but she also has a lot of opportunities being presented to her. Do you have a place that you would personally like to see Billy land? Or are you in the camp of like, as long as she's happy, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, she in that in that same interview, she was saying that she is a free agent right now. Her goal right now is to finish up high school, which she'll graduate in May for. And then I know she's going to college for a two year degree as a backup option. Um, so, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying it. You know, she's really just getting started on at least the television landscape. We saw her in AEW, MLW, Ring of Honor, but it hasn't been like story the only place she really has like a storyline going on right now is mlw um i guess spoiler alert she seems to be challenging taya valkyrie for the title soon um so i feel like we're just getting started i don't really have a a preference where she lands i just hope that she continues getting opportunities and again she's still only 18 years old i think she's still figuring things out for herself and a contract is not even on her mind right now she just wants to see where wrestling takes her and enjoy the ride so i just hope that she gets something substantial and continues to keep growing when i was 18 i was nowhere near (laughs) sure of myself the way this woman is that's absolutely phenomenal she uh she continues to impress me not only as a wrestler but also just as a person and uh i think it's really cool to see her grow and and share her uh, her journey with a lot of people i think that's really cool 
again, she's been training since 13 years old. So she's been in the game for five years now and she's only 18. So I think a a lot of it, you know, she kind of had to grow up pretty fast and, you know, she, she's really mature and what's, I keep saying this about her, but it's really scary that she hasn't even reached her peak yet. And she's on a lot of people's radars already. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see where she lands. And I think it's good that she's talking about, uh, going through a post-secondary program. I mm-hmm. think that's uh, always good to have, have that quote-unquote fallback, as Chris Jericho used to say. So yeah. let's uh, let's talk a little bit TV. Uh, Raw the other night, Cody decided that uh, after a great match with Chad Gable, he's coming to SmackDown. He's going to uh, confront the travel chief, Roman Reigns, finally. How do you feel about Cody and Roman so far? Is this uh, is it getting your gander? <laughs> is, is it happy for you? What do you, what do you think? Do you mean Cody and Paul Heyman? Yeah, exactly. Cody and Sammy. We haven't even we haven't even had any interaction between Cody and Roman yet. So it makes sense. He should go to SmackDown since Roman Reigns said if Roman Reigns isn't going to go to Raw, it makes sense for Cody to go to SmackDown because we have what nine TVs left. So they really need to get the ball rolling between Cody and Roman like firsthand don't go through Paul Heyman like you know we've already had that he's gone through the bloodline approach them now it's time for him to you know encounter the tribal chief himself for the first time you know I I for some reason I have a feeling a beatdown's probably gonna happen and then Sammy might come in and save Cody or something I feel like there's there's gonna be some something weird going on uh on Smackdown on Friday but it's time to get the ball rolling between Cody and Roman themselves, not not the bloodline, not Paul Heyman. It's time to get the ball Roman and the two men actually wrestling in the mania match. <laughs> what if Roman's out there doing his thing, giving is cutting a fire promo to open the show, and then out comes Brandy Rhodes? I would love that. I think <laughs> I think Brandy would be amazing to see live. I feel like she adds so much entertainment value, but also it'd be Brandy in a different capacity because now Cody is like, you know, babyface and like the top babyface in the company. It would be interesting to see what she brings to the table. Um and I mean, to be fair, Paul Heyman did insinuate that he would sleep with Brandy Rhodes. So I would love if she um would come out and slap Paul Heyman. That would be that would actually make sense. Turnabout is fair play, so why not bring her in for a shot? I think she's going to bring the receipts. Yeah, exactly. Why not? So I, I, I look forward to SmackDown. I think they've got a big show coming from Washington D.C. A certain animals from there, and it's time to start announcing Hall of Famers as well. So I know uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens this Friday. Lita and Becky captured the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, and uh, Trish Stratus appeared and made the save mm-hmm. for the team while Bailey was trying to uh, get involved in the match. Uh, I see a lot of mixed reactions to the women's tag titles switching hands to Lita being the one to, you know, win the tag titles. Uh, what do you think about this? Is this something you're looking forward to? Is this en route to a good WrestleMania show? What do you, what do you think? I mean, if any time you have Trish or Lita involved, it's going to get the people invested, right? I can see people's arguments, you know, Dakota and EO were, you know, are, are like the, the full-time performers, but also at the same time, you know, I love them, but that was only their second title defense in their 100-day reign, which, you know, 
isn't really good if you think about it you know they people were saying that the titles were just more so accessories during their reign and I you know I kind of have to agree with them we only had one title reign a lot of their stuff the titles weren't even involved they were kind of just involved in kind of Bailey's shenanigans with like uh Becky Lynch and all of that going on um so I think if they were going to lose them to anybody they lost them they lost them to some high profile competitors like Alita and like a Becky Lynch and this reign is not going to last long I think it's just kind of one of those steps in the rest lead up to Wrestlemania a lot of people are saying it could be three on three some people are insinuating Trish Stratus turns heel ahead of Wrestlemania or at Wrestlemania this you know this win is great but I feel like it's just a, a small part in the story that we don't really know yet there's going to be more to come this is kind of just the, what's it called the, the spark to kind of light the story going forward three on three makes sense given what's been going on yeah. however I really really would have loved to see Trish and Bailey in a one-on-one match at WrestleMania on a different night, have Lita and Becky, you know, defend the tag titles about against mm-hmm. EO Sky and Dakota Kai, maybe Ronda Rousey and uh, Shayna Baszler as well. Add a fourth team if you really want to go that route. Make it a fatal four-way, and then have the women's tag titles change hands again, or go back to Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Who knows? But regardless, uh, I would like to see that. However, it feels like a three-on-three is storyline wise what makes the most sense because Trish very much like there for her girls celebrating with them part of that trio like would you rather see the two matches or would you rather see just a three-on-three because of what we've seen so far for me of course I would much prefer the three-on-three my only thing is I don't foresee them having a WrestleMania, as much as Lena, I'm not the biggest fan of her, but I don't see them having a WrestleMania without Ronda Rousey in some capacity. And obviously, Ronda is interested in the tag team division. So you can't have Ronda Rousey involved at WrestleMania and also have that three on three match because it wouldn't make sense unless you have Dakota and EO or you know, unless you have them wrestling on both nights somehow. So I just don't see how that three-on-three match can happen in a world where where Ronda Rousey is also supposed to be on the WrestleMania card. So again, it's kind of an un, kind of unsure about where they're going with this direction, which is kind of a good thing. You know, it leaves it unpredictable in that they have, what, four and a half weeks now to build this. They got nine uh, televisions left. So I don't know what the direction they're going to go. I just can't imagine a a wrestlemania without ronda rousey knowing wwe and especially if you know ronda kind of gave up on her singles run uh smackdown title run because she was interested in a tag team run so i just i don't see them not fulfilling ronda's you know kind of pitch to be involved in the tag team division what a weird way to go i don't really like being women's champion but I do like the idea. Of yeah, the that's pretty yeah. much how it sounded. It unfolded to me. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know. It could be. It could just be. You know, Trish and Bailey are at ringside for a triple threat tag match. But also, how do you get to that? How do you get Ronda? I mean, you just have Ronda and Shayna beat everyone up. I don't know. It. That's all it is. That's I don't know. That's literally all they're going to do is just have Shayna and Ronda beat everybody up on SmackDown and be like. Well, looks like we want those tag titles now, and that'll be it. It'll be easy as that. <laughs> anyway, easy as that is Miz hosting WrestleMania. So uh, <laughs> they did Miz TV. 
they announced that the big gold envelope was not another Marie's pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the vasectomy on on Ms. and Mrs. was real, and it took. But uh, yeah, Ms. is going to host WrestleMania, and in the same segment, we made it official: it's Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. I'm fine with all of this. I really, really want Ms. TV with guests the new day so that they can do Ms. New Day and LA Knight in the same ring at the same time and we can form a tag team between Miz and LA Knight. Awesome. Yeah. Versus the New Day on night two. Mm. And then Logan Paul and Seth Rollins are going to have a match. It's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm I think if anybody can pull off hosts WrestleMania, Miz is the guy. He's great on the mic. He's one of their go-tos for media. You know, he has his own Miz TV. I think Miz is a great call. If they're not going to have him do Again, we don't know if he has any WrestleMania plans right now, but if there's anybody that can host WrestleMania, it gives Miz something to do if he's not going to wrestle. And, you know, I know as much as a lot of people, you know, personally, Logan Paul, his personal shit aside, Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins is going to be a banger, to be honest. I, I'm i really excited to see this because, you know, Seth is one of those trustworthy people in the ring. Um so I I think that this is going to be really good. I like how they're igniting the storyline. Also, the bye bye bitch was a good touch, which I know Black and Brave now made a shirt out of out of the Monday line. Um, I'm excited. I'm glad that that match is official. I think it's going to be really really good between Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. I do too. And you know what? Seth Rollins having another uh, big match, big marquee match that's not for a title. Yeah. That's fine with me. I don't think he needs to be in the title picture at WrestleMania right now in the way that he's, you know, yeah. in the way that he's presented. I think the build has been fun. Uh, I, I'm excited for these two to have just a good, solid match with a lot of athleticism. And that's all I need. I think there's room for that on the card. That's good for me for WrestleMania. <laughs> now we got to talk about how we feel about the big meaty men slapping meat. Brock Lesnar and Omos was made official. Uh, WrestleVotes on Twitter insinuated that Vince McMahon may have shoehorned in the match for the card. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp on, uh, on, on Fightful Select just dropped literally as we're recording more about the plan for Brock Lesnar and his WrestleMania pitches. We're not going to get into that. I think you should just subscribe to Fightful Select. It's five bucks. I'm not going to show this. I don't do that here. But um, basically, there were a lot of options for Brock on the table. And Omos internally was kind of a backup. And there's certain indications about the Vince thing that like nothing's confirmed, but there are certain talent who have been like, I think maybe Vince is getting his hand in some creative, not all of it, just some of his influence. And then some of that talent has since doubled down on that stance. So that's from Fightful Select, some of that stuff. So go, go, go follow it there if you want the info. But for now, Brock and Omos is official. They did a great segment, I think, on Raw with Brock and MVP. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine if those two want to do all the talking, let Omos come out and look big. That's cool with me. What do you think about this for Brock and uh, and for Omos individually and together for a match? I'm not going to lie. MVP kind of sold me on it. You know, he was selling the the a match to Brock uh, because obviously they issued the challenge, but Brock hadn't accepted it at that point. So I, I kind of, I liked, I was kind of sold after MVP's pitch. Again, I, this, this does feel like a backup option. It also feels kind of random, but also makes sense because uh, Brock has been wrestling a lot of the bigger opponents, like a Bobby Lashley, like a Roman Reigns. So I feel like it kind of goes along with that. I 
have I guess I'm kind of glad they didn't run Brock and Braun back. That would have also made a little bit of a sense, but I guess they wanted somebody new for Brock. Um, so I don't, I don't know yet how I feel about it, to be honest. I'm kind of sold on it, but also like, again, it it does feel like a backup option. I don't know how I feel about it yet, Joel. I think I liked the segments that we had on Monday between MVP and Brock. I've been really enjoying Cowboy Brock. You know, he has been a lot more likable and I think he's been, um, people have been more invested in this newer, this newer version of Brock. I just don't know how this match is going to go. I really don't. So there's two ways it goes. <laughs> One is it's three minutes and Brock Lesnar absolutely demolishes Omos and that's it. Number two, which might be a little more intriguing, they make it into a no DQ match or they do a ref bump. And then and you have the hurt business. You have the hurt business. You have Shelton and you have Chad, uh, not Chad, sorry, Cedric Alexander. You have uh, Bobby Lashley come out and suddenly we have a four man hurt business and MVPs by their side. And yeah, Brock gets his comeuppance a little bit by these heels. And then at Backlash, maybe we do it again or we carry it off till SummerSlam if they beat him up so oh bad. Gosh. Well, you just you know, you you carry it off in that you beat up Brock so bad that they just, you know, cart him out and he's out for a while because yeah. Brock's never looked that um, feeble. He's never had like a stretcher job. He's never been beat down so bad that he needs to be taken off TV. He's never been written off with an injury like that. Maybe if they get hit, I I don't know if Brock would ever go for that, but uh, maybe if they do it so bad that they have a match at SummerSlam where Brock gets, you know, his, his final victory in case, you know, there, but um, that's kind of where my brain is at. But right now I like the build Brock as he is now is very comfortable. He's very confident. He loves doing this shtick. So let him keep doing it. And it's MVP we'll- and Brock making the build though. Yeah. It's not really. Oh, Omos is just a big guy who needs yeah. to look big next to yeah. Brock. Cause Brock's a big dude, but Omos is a bigger dude. So it's going to look visually appealing to those who are into it. It's that. just, but also I, I will say for me, um, Brock and Omos makes more sense than Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt. That one is just out of left field for me personally. Oh, it's out of left field for everybody. <laughs> but I think if anyone's going to have fun with it, it's going to be Bobby Lashley. Yeah. That one, really that one I have an even bigger question mark about. But oh. again, we're still in the early stages. We still four and a half weeks. But <sighs> keep in mind, this is a guy who like had his sisters come out. You know, they did the True. whole thing back. This, I think Bobby's more than okay. He, he also pitched, you know, I want to gain 70 pounds and become super depressed True. and then lean out. I think Bobby is ready for anything that is entertainment-y, and that might make this a lot more fun. So I guess we'll see what the build is. Super serious Bobby versus not super serious Bray Wyatt. I don't Wyatt. think he wants to do the muscle man dance. No, probably not. <laughs> Unless he's in the middle of the ring and they do some stuff. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's let's shift to AEW before we get out of here. Revolution is this weekend. Uh, a few important matches that we just wanted to highlight. First of all, we have uh, for the women's championship, Soraya, Jamie Hayter, and Ruby Soho in a triple threat. How are you feeling about not only a tr- another triple threat women's title match on pay-per-view, but also just Soraya in general. Is she working for you in AEW? Is this something that you wanted to see? Like, talk to me about Soraya in general and this women's championship match. 
so Soraya, for people who don't know, is literally like my favorite of, you know, this the generation before this current generation. Like in high school, like that was that was my go to girl, you know, and then obviously she had to retire and everything. And then, you know, she's kind of integrating herself into this new generation. I liked how they introduced her. You know, she was so grateful. The comeback story, the emotional, you know, uh, redemption arc that we had Soraya unfolding they pulled the they pulled the trigger on this heel turn way too soon. I feel like after all that emotional build that we had to her first match, she beat Brit. You know, then they had that uh, tag match in L.A. Was it or wherever in California? Yeah, in you know, yeah. that was you know that was that was a good build to that, and then just all of a sudden to kind of have that flipped. I feel like it was way too premature. And again, we've all seen slowly Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker kind of turning face, which it which has been a nice progression because especially for a person like a Britt Baker where she was so cold-hearted and ruthless, that makes more sense than just a, a flip of the switch like Soraya did from face to heel. I kind of like the slow progression that they had with Britt Baker. I think if they were going to have Soraya turn heel, I think it should have been more of a slow progression. Um, I'm... I like her as a heel, but I think it was, you know, it's just way too premature. I feel like they could have had run that baby story, baby face story for a while. And then maybe after like six months to like eight months or something, then maybe. But for me, it was just, it was premature. And then it kind of soured things for a bit. And that's coming from someone who adores Soraya. You know, it just kind of soured a lot of things for people. I think they really lost the plot. Of yeah. what they were doing with Surya, her mission statement, why she came in, what they want to get out mm-hmm. of her as an AEW wrestler and what she brings to the women's division there. And this was a big comeback for her. They do one match with Britt Baker on pay-per-view. It's supposed to be really big news. And unfortunately, it has since been downplayed and not very well told as a story with the OGs versus the outsiders and now Soraya is an outsider despite coming in and being like, I want to be uh, you know, a lifer for AEW and yeah, I'm going to, just... they got real lost and I don't like that. And then like you said, the turn was very sudden. I think it was mostly because people, the internet fan base was turning and Tony Khan loves to listen to the internet fan base more than anybody. So he went with it and you know, that's a bit of fan service that Tony continues to have. Uh, with his with his booking so that's him i don't care for a triple threat though i don't need another women's triple threat especially i really hope that jamie wins this match jamie hater winning this match makes the most sense to me i feel Uh, like though that this match kind of does make sense a a bit because ruby has been toying between it's crazy that like Britt baker's face now i guess It, it makes sense though that ruby's included Maybe you don't necessarily need Ruby in it. Like she could choose, she could help whoever Jamie or Soraya win the match. Then that would solidify what side she's with. But I think that the sto- there's a story built with the in a story there because Ruby's been kind of going back and forth between both sides as of recent weeks. But however, I don't think she necessarily needed to be involved. You know, 
Um, but every time Ruby's been in like a championship situation, she's lost, you know, like in the, in the tournament finals, you know, in the, um, main event of that one, I want to say it was rampage. It was rampage or dynamite with Britt Baker. Yeah. She, again, Ruby, all Ruby Soho, every time she's put in a position where she's like a championship or big stake stuff, she always loses, but I don't know. I I get this. I get why it's a triple threat, but also you could have done the story of which side is Ruby going to pick with her helping whoever win the match. You know. You know what they might do? They might have Ruby win the match, and then they'll have they'll flip the script and have the two teams vying for Ruby and sucking up to her, and be like, <laughs> we were pals all along. We should all hang out. We should be get you know. We should all get get together and hang out. Because Ruby has the power as the champion, but she really doesn't because that's not what this is all about. This At is this a, point, a, a, Ruby's oh. just there to take the pin. But what if instead they completely turn it on its head and give Ruby the title so that these two teams have to basically find a way to win her over instead of pull her apart? Like now she has all the power. What if I they do that? But Jamie, Jamie deserves to have a longer reign. I don't disagree with you, but I don't know. They don't know what the story is, and I don't think yeah, we know what the story is. But we'll move on. Hangman Page is going to take on John Moxley in a Texas death match. Uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to this. This has been a match that has been uh, heavy, and it's been heavy-handed, and it's been tough. There will be a lot of bleeding, so if you're a squeamish oh, yeah. like LJ, <laughs> be careful. Uh, are you looking forward to Hangman and Mox? I personally, I am. Uh, tell me about it. What do you think? Yes, I mean, obviously, the Texas Death Match gives um, <laughs> gives uh, Moxley an excuse to bleed. Then people he doesn't I mean, need an excuse. Stop it. An <laughs> Fair excuse enough. To bleed. What are you talking about? Moxley is um, the one out there making decisions. I mean, Hangman and Mox are two of my favorite people. So we've, like I said a couple weeks ago, we've been seeing a bit more of an edge to Hangman. So I think this is really going to level him up. You know, from kind of see more layers to his character because he's been more so you know this kind of free spirited but low-key sad like anxious millennial cowboy but i feel like like i said we've been slowly seeing more and more of an edge and like like he, he's not going to take your shit anymore from hangman you know so i feel like this is really going to prove it's going to unfold more layers of at least i hope more layers of hangman that we haven't seen yet we've seen like tinges of it but i think this is really mox is going to pull this stuff out of hangman that we haven't seen before or at least i'm hoping that they do yeah the, this is a, a a character match for both men and i'm excited for the opportunity to see where both men land after the match because we know what moxley is we know what hangman is but hangman is undergoing some sort of metamorphosis he's yeah. he we're, we're peeling back layers, like you said. So I'm excited for this match. Not much else to add. Uh, MJF <laughs> and Brian Danielson are doing a 60-minute Ironman match that I'm sure will end up in overtime. What are you looking forward to in this match? Do you have a winner? Because people are pretty split. Honestly, like, I don't... I don't know. I feel like MJF is just going to have a bunch of tricks up his sleeve. But also, I mean, Brian also has some... I mean, not that MJF... You know, he has a couple allies, I guess. Um, but also, so does Brian. I think Brian's going to gain control a lot early on. But then I have a feeling MJF is going to be calling in some favors and helping him to retain in the end and gain as many pinfalls as he can on Brian in this 60. Man, just at the 60-minute part, though, is just a lot. I don't. I feel like a lot of people are expecting 
you know, Brian can go the distance. I think this is really a test for MJF. Can he go the distance in here? I want MJF <laughs> to be the biggest POS and just keep trying to get pinfalls and then eventually get really like tuckered out. And then Brian comes over and just like beats the shit out of MJF for a few minutes, but MJF continues to power out of his, of, of the pin attempts. I don't know. This is, this is, um, Becoming a more interesting match after the uh, the back and forth that they had this past week. I didn't love the promo, but I love the physicality between MJF mm-hmm. and Brian. So I guess we're going to find out where that match happens, but I, or where that match stands when it happens. I do think they're going to go into overtime. That's just my general oh my feeling. Gosh. And I feel <laughs> if they do, I feel like MJF does eke out the win somehow. Maybe the diamond ring, maybe some help from somebody running in. I don't know, mm-hmm. but that's kind of where I am. But Brian won't look bad if he takes MJF to the limit. Both men will look great that way. So we'll see. And then finally, I know it's a bit out of order, but the four-way tag team title match, the guns who are the champions are going to defend against the acclaimed who get their rematch clause and Jared and lethal who won the battle Royale this past week on dynamite. And tonight, as of this recording, there will be a fourth team announced. A lot of people assuming it's going to be FTR. Do you have another team you would like to see included in this? Maybe Lucha bros, maybe uh workhorseman. I don't know. Four-way tag, what are your thoughts? Where would you go? Now, again, um, is, is, it, is Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes in this? You know, it's entirely possible, but I actually don't know. <laughs> because I know they, I've been seeing that they've been teaming up as of late. I think that would be a cool, um, because Keith Lee's been doing media rounds, right? And technically, he doesn't have a match announced yet for this pay-per-view, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So it might be Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes. Um, again, I feel like if FTR do return, that's really indicative of, oh, they must be staying. I think if FTR is staying um, because their contracts expire next month, then they will return tonight. However, if they're still uncertain, I don't think that they will be returning tonight. Um, I see a lot of repeat members of the roster on this tag team battle royale. So I see Lucha Bros. I see Top Flight. I see Claudio and Yuta. I see Sylvan Reynolds, Butcher Blade. I see Roosh and uh, Preston Vance. Ozzy Open's back again. I see mm-hmm. 2.0. I see The Kingdom, which is kind of neat. I see uh, Chuck and, Chuck and uh, Trent's best friends. And that's all I see. And then, of course, there will be oh. a Joker team. Oh, so my... Oh, so both teams are talking about are haven't even been announced. Yeah, so there's possibility. Listen, FTR is not the shoe in. We don't know, but yeah. a lot of people are jumping to that. I think if it's not FTR, then I think it is Lee and um, Dustin Rhodes. Keith Lee's been doing a bunch of media this week, Joel. I still think it's going to be Keith Lee and Swerve one on one. Oh, that's true. It could be that. That's what I would do. I mean, the cinder block taken out and all that stuff. That's where I would go. But they're going to be more announced matches, I'm sure, by the end of this week because the pay-per-view is this Sunday night, March the 5th. Uh, They're going to be in in San Francisco, so on the West Coast, which means the show will end at like 3 a.m. for us on the the East Coast because that's just what happens. That's all I got. We hit the run sheet. We made it. We did it. Ella, let's plug the stuff and get on out of here. The easiest way you can follow me is where I'm most active, which is on Twitter while it's while Twitter's still alive at this point. At it's Ella J. If you go to the link in my bio, you can find all my links to all my projects and podcasts, including this one. So thank you. <laughs> 
there you go. You can find us at the run sheet pod or just search the run sheet on wherever you find your podcast. But of course, if you found us now, you probably found us wherever you find your podcast. So just go ahead and hit subscribe. If you got a review for us, five stars is always the best. I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary. We will see you in the next one. He's actually Cheers. at Joe Gacy, WWE. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually just at Joe Gacy. Ah. <laughs> you got his name. We're out. Bye.